so, as with most sermons or words that I shared on Sundays, I typically wrestle with them for quite some time. I don't, I don't have what I would consider a traditional sermon prep. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was coached a while back in sermon prep and training and that kind of thing, and you know, I was sitting around a table with a bunch of other pastors and guys who have been in the game for a long time, and pastoring, preaching, teaching for a long time, and uh, and for some reason they were like, you know, go around the table and tell us, you know, what your prep looks like, and some guys are like, well, I spend 20 hours in my study, you know, and that's great, that's great, um, and then some guys are like, you know, I do like 10 hour sermon prep, and then I preach it three times in the mirror or something like that, and and uh, they went, and then they asked this other guy. He was like, "Well, how many times do you do you preach your sermon before you give it on a Sunday?" And the guy was like, "How can you preach before you preach?" He was like, "I don't understand that." And I was like, "You're my friend." <laughs> and so it's just it's been really interesting, just kind of the process that the Lord is is having to make me comfortable with. And it was um, earlier in the week, and I was like, Lord, you've been putting this on my heart. And the phrase that He put on my heart was this: it was, it was stepping into spiritual authority. And I, and I began considering that because it was something that he was speaking to me that, that I needed to, he was calling me to step into a deeper level of authority. Um, and I think the thing with authority is that you either have it or it's had over you, right? You either walk in it or you walk under someone else's. And so I've been thinking about that phrase, and I didn't really have, like, the scriptures behind it, but it was just something on my heart, and then, you know, busyness, and July 4th, and all this stuff. You know how life is. And um, just the other day, I said, okay, Lord, this might be one of those things where I'm going to have to be okay with the process of, of just kind of meditating over this, praying, seeking, listening, um, chewing, and then... It may be that you give me something like last minute, <laughs> and I have to be okay with that. And then, and I've had the other process where I'm like a week out, and I'm like, I already know what I'm going to talk about. I, you know, this is it, and it's easy, easy. Um, but yeah, I was. I, I even re- messaged Rachel early in the week. I was like, Hey, when do you want to give your word? Because I was like, I didn't know what mine was supposed to be given because I didn't like have the fullness of it yet. And so Rachel will be sharing here with us soon, some in the, in the weeks to come. She has a really good word um, about the words that we speak. Um, and so that's coming up. But <clears throat> so I even told Kim last night, she said, so what's happening tomorrow at the source? I was like, well, I think I have a word, but it's not confirmed yet. So maybe I'll get there and the Lord will do something else. I just have to be open. So this morning in prayer and then when I sat down to put the outline together, he kind of he kind of gave me the rest of the sermon. Um, and so it's always it's awesome to walk in that freedom, number one, like not. I remember being so stressed out on Saturday mornings and sometimes even Sunday morning, early in the morning, like 6 a.m. at the table, like, Lord, what am I going to talk about? Versus, what do you want to say to people? (laughs) And so as I was praying about this stepping into spiritual authority, and I'll I'll just have to say that I was a little bit, I felt very unprepared to give this because what I'm talking about is not something that I'm fully operating in yet. And so it's one of those things, well, do I have what it takes to talk about this, but then, well, I'm just going to be open and honest. Like a lot, obviously, 
oftentimes, a lot of things I, I talk about, I'm not walking in the fullness yet, but the Lord's showing me and moving me in that direction. And so I feel like it's my job to, to help share that and then also be open about, you know, where I'm at. I will say, although there are people in this room who are very clearly walking in, in spiritual authority, and we can learn a lot from them. Um, so as I was praying about that, stepping into spiritual authority, uh, the Lord gave me this phrase. He said it begins with intimacy, and we've talked a lot about intimacy in, in our setting. Christine, you taught once about intimacy um, on a Sunday morning. It was really good. Um, and so I'm going to go back to something I spoke on just a couple weeks ago. And if you haven't, if you weren't here for that particular sermon, it was Father's Day, and it was talking about the prodigal son. So we talked about the love of the father. And we touched on a couple points. And in that story of the prodigal son, uh, well, first of all, you can go back and watch it on YouTube. All of our videos and sermons are on YouTube. You can catch up. But some of the things that, that stood out to me in that story were the items that the father gave to the son and then the meal that took place. So the prodigal son, real quick, he's like in the pig pen. He's like, I need to go back to my father's household. I need to be a servant in the house of my father so I can eat again, you know, so I can have what I need. And then he goes back to the father, and the father meets him with love. And after already having given the son all of his inheritance, the father then proceeds to give him sandals, a ring, and a robe, and then he kills a fattened calf. And so even after the father gave the son his inheritance and he squandered it, the father still had more to give. And that's just a beautiful image of the love and the grace of our father. It, it, there's always more. There's always more. And so he gave him a ring. He gave him sandals. He gave him a robe. And then he, he sat at a table and he consumed a meal with him. And so I pointed out just a little bit about what some of those things signify. So I'm going to read these phrases. So the ring on the finger signifies authority we've not earned. It's that signet ring. It's the ring that says you're a part of this family. And so the father has given his children a ring that says that's on your hand. When people see that, it's a symbol of you belonging to my family and you having authority in my name in our household to do my will, essentially. So that if maybe the, the father would send the son to another place to go do some trade or something like that, the son would go and he would have this ring and he would say, hey, I'm with, you know, my father's family. I'm here to do business on his behalf. And this is the authority that the father gives us to move about the earth and do his work on, with his authority. Amen? And so the other thing was this. Sandals on our feet, showing status we've not strived to attain, living in sonship and freedom. So the servants would have, um, they would have worked around the house without shoes on. They would have been barefoot. So the son shows up without feet or sandals on his feet <laughs> and rather and so he he wanted to be a servant in the house of his father but the father said no put sandals on his feet we need he needs to know that he's part of part of my family he's not he's not a servant right and then the other thing he he gave was the father's robe so the father's robe clothes us in his righteousness righteousness giving us his appearance walking in his likeness and so it was the father's robe that was given to the son, not some robe that the son had left over that he just didn't take. Oh, I don't want that robe. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to buy new robes. And he took everything he had, it says. And so the robe that he was given was his father's robe. And so we're clothed in the righteousness of the father. And essentially, if the son would have left and people in public 
or people who knew the father would have seen that robe and it was the best robe. They would have known it was the father's robe and from far off they would have said, is that, is that the father of, of that household? Is that the, the Lord over that estate? And then upon a closer look, they would see, no, that's his son in the image of his father and his likeness because of his robes. And so the father gives us his robes so we can have his appearance and walk in his likeness. And then the last thing that happens is there was an eating at the table with the fattened calf. So we eat at a table in intimacy, consuming food and having our fill of that which will never leave us empty. And so there's this, this relationship we can have with the father and what we gain in that place fills us, and it doesn't leave us empty. And we eat, and we never go hungry again in his presence. And so two things from that. One was the ring signifying authority and then eating at the table of intimacy. And for me, the Lord was showing me that it begins with intimacy before we begin to walk in authority. And so let me read Second Chronicles 7.14. And I, Christine, I have to give you credit for this because you, I think you said that there was an instance where you were at a place and they were praying the scripture and then the Lord just said to you, but nobody seeks my face. And I thought, wow, that's, that's, that's like, whoa. <laughs> so Second Chronicles 7.14 says this, And my people who bear my name humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And so there's a lot going on in this scripture. The, the, father's, the father's heart in this scripture is that those whom he called would be humble, would pray, would seek his face, would turn from wicked ways, and then he would hear from heaven and he'll forgive sin and heal their land. So there's this dynamic in relationship with the father. And I know that this was like specifically written for the people of that time. He was um, speaking to Solomon about this. But this reveals, I believe, an important principle about our relationship with the Father. And it's interesting that he says, pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways. Because a lot of times when we focus on this scripture, and specifically for me, in the area, in the season of life I'm in, I'm so oftentimes hyper-focused on my sin that, most of my prayer time and most of my time with the Father is me, like, feeling bad for my sin or, like, asking that he take my sin, like, those kinds of things. And confession is good. Repentance is good. That's all necessary. But for me, it's been such a hyper-focus for me so that the first thing I say when I walk, in, you know, when I walk into the room, the throne room, and, and the Father's there, I'm like, I'm so sorry, rather than man, you're, oh, you're so beautiful, and just worship pouring out of me. There's guilt and there's shame because of my sin, and so I'm so hyper-focused on turning from my wicked ways. If I were to just turn to seeking the face of the Father, I think that dynamic would be completely different. And so it says he'll heal our land, and so he wants to bring about healing. He wants to institute the kingdom of God everywhere on the face of the earth. Let me read real quick Hebrews chapter 6. And it says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. And so, the writer of Hebrews is addressing the people of God, and he's saying, look, guys, 
We've, we've talked about a lot of this stuff over and over and over and over again. And it's time that we move on from elementary teachings. And some of those elementary teachings are repentance from dead works. Again, which is in 2 Chronicles 7.14, turning from our evil ways. It is a part of our walk. It is a part of our faith. It is a part of this existence on this earth. But that's an elementary thing. And I think, personally, I've been so caught up for years and years and years trying to get away from the sin that has plagued me. And even just a couple weeks ago, I was confessing about the, the sin of lust and how I'm trying to give that over and I'm giving it over and the Lord's working in me and helping me move away from that. But what he's showing me in that is it's not just repentance of sin that leads to, uh, to, leads to death, right? Not, not just repentance, but intimacy, There's something more. Let us move on from that. Let's not lay the foundation. It's a foundation we stand on, and that foundation is always there, and it's a solid and firm foundation, but we continue to move forward. And so he says, let's go on to maturity. And so I think that some of this maturity has to do with intimacy, and it has to do ultimately with authority and living out our God-given destiny. And so let uh, let me read this question real quick. The question I had as I was preparing this was this, do we really want him or just the things that come along with him? And that's, I think when I prayed earlier, I said the reward of the gospel is the Father. It's not just forgiveness of sins. That's foundational. But there's, a, there's maturity that happens, and there's a more mature understanding of what we gain when we're in Christ. Praise the Lord. <laughs> And so we do, do we really want him or just the things that come along with him? I can tell you that there's been times in my life where I've prayed certain prayers and, and I say things like, God, take this feeling away from me. Well, I just want the feeling gone. God, I, God, I confess to sin. I don't want to feel bad about it anymore. Well, I just made it about me not feeling bad anymore. So I think this is a cart before the horse situation where we're, we're trying to go after sin without going after God. And I remember someone saying this before where you know, somebody says, man, I have a new relationship with God. And then they asked, well, how's your relationship with sin? <laughs> and because when we have a relationship with the Father, we have a different relationship with our sin. And so I think the cart before the horse is, I don't want to feel bad. I, want to con- I, I don't want to feel guilty. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to think that. I don't want people to think that way about me. But the truth is we should be desiring the Father first, and then all those things fall in line. And so do we want to know him? Do we want his heart? And so I've been camping a lot on this thought process of wanting the heart of the Father because that means we really want to know somebody. We really want to know who they are and what they're about. We, were, we want to know them on a deep, intimate level. The way that you know friends, is, are, it's different than the way that you know family. It's different than the way you know parents. It's different than the way you know children. It's different than the way that you know spouses. And so with each relationship, there's a deeper level of knowing. There's a deeper le- level of knowledge and understanding and intimacy. And I think that for a long time, we've known about God rather than knowing God. And we've read about this God who's interacted with these other people in all these fantastic ways. And we're okay with reading those stories and then knowing that our God provides because the Bible tells me so. 
versus Jehovah Jireh, you're my provider. When I was in want, when I was in need, you gave. You've led me by still waters. You've made me to, to lie down in green pastures. You've provided all that I've needed every moment of the way. And I have testimony and experience of the God that I've read about versus just reading about him. And we're okay living off the stories of faith of other individuals. So we have the scripture, and the scripture is a beautiful compilation of many things, and it's this book of all these experiences of other people experiencing this amazing God. But the purpose of it is to point us to experience of God. And, you know, I, I know people who will say, you, you don't need experience. It's right there. You just have faith. And I'm like, well, I'd much rather experience the living God. <laughs> I would let, I would let, I mean, Isaiah, the year King Uzziah died, I looked and I saw the Lord seated on the throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Right? And, and smoke filled the room and the foundation shook. And this is the God we serve. It's cool to read about that. And I've preached about it and I've taught on it and there's a lot to learn. But it's a very different situation when we're standing, well, I'm standing back there and she's singing about Jesus, his name's lifted high and all of the angels are singing and, and earth replies. And I'm like, yes, yes, it's it's. It's experiencing it and living it and actually desiring the Father versus, again, all the things that come along with him. So um, Acts 13.22 says, After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning them, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And I think this is like, obviously David was, David was a type of Christ. David was a king, and he came, and he ruled over the Israelites. And Jesus now comes, and he's our ultimate king. And David stood in the face of, of Goliath in the name of the Lord and struck him down with a single blow, which takes us back to the, the woman crushing the heel, or excuse me, crushing the head of Satan. Jesus comes, and he crushes the head. He defeats our enemy, which is ultimately sin. And so Jesus has come. And he's done that. And so he also walked in perfect unity in unison with the Father and then lived out the will of the Father on earth. So David, King David, was a guy who had a man. He was a man after God's own heart, excuse me. And he did everything that God wanted him to do. And scripture goes on to say that David fulfilled the purposes of God in his generation. And so I think with all of this, with intimacy, with seeking after the heart of the Father, with stepping into our spiritual authority, it has everything to do with the way that we're living on this earth and the way that we're navigating what we're doing and the way that, the way that we run our businesses, the way that we, we are in ministry, the way that we homeschool our kids, the way that I function on a daily basis in my place of business, the way that I function in my home or in my marriage or even in this ministry in the source, that God has a purpose and a plan for all of it. God is sovereign, which means he's Lord over all. He's in control of all things. He has a will, which is his heart's desire 
for everything that we are and that we're a part of. And that he has purposes to be fulfilled in this time and this place and this land. Scripture tells us in Acts that each man is appointed his own time and his own place according to the will of the Father. And so the Father has placed each one of us on this earth at this time and this place with our family and our place of business, work, wherever it is, where we shop, <laughs> where we eat and dine and live. We're all there for a purpose according to the will of the Father. And so my question is, will we have a heart after God so that we fulfill his purposes and do everything he's asked us to do in those places? And so I'll be the first to say that almost on a daily basis, when I get up in the morning and I have to make coffee and make a shake and help get Illy up or ready and out the door and in the car and to Chris's and then go to work and all that, I, most of the time I'm thinking about how I can get myself out of having that routine. And it's interesting that I think that way because essentially I'm saying my will be my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in my heart or my flesh or my sinful desires. And so essentially even for like my workplace, I have a will for my life concerning how I make money and how I live. And right now I don't see my will lining up with reality, yet I've not truly sought God's will for me in my workplace. I go and I complain <laughs> and I try and find a way out. And so I think about that. Am I willing to and am I going to begin to live from that higher place of thinking? Am I going to agree with the prayer of Christ that says your will on earth as it is in heaven? Because if we're going to agree with that, well, then we have to seek the will in heaven, right? We seek the will in the heart of the Father. We become men and women after God's own heart, and that starts in a place of intimacy. I want to know you. <laughs> what do you have for me? What would you like to say to me? What do you want me to do today? So Christine teaches an online class on Wednesdays and Wednesday evening, Thursday afternoon. And she's been doing, was this like your fourth round or something? Four, round four. <clears throat> so te she teaches this online six-week class called Engaging Heaven. And one of the things that she teaches is called Commanding Your Morning. And all that is, is when you get up, you seek the will of the Father for your day for all of the places where you'll be and go and have influence over in that day. And you seek his heart and you say, God, what do you want for my business today? God, what do you want for my family today? What do you want for my children today? What do you want for me today? What do you want for the source today? And when you seek his heart and he begins to reveal to you, because he will reveal, he will speak, that's when you, 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 you hear that, you know that, and you agree, and then you obey, and you function from that place of what he's showing you to do. And so, let me tell you, in Habakkuk, that's fun to say, huh? Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14 says, For the earth will be, everybody say will be, 
for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Another version says, as surely as the waters cover the sea. And so the Lord's really been pushing this verse on my heart recently. And so I think that this scripture gives us insight into God's will for the earth. That the knowledge of his glory will fill the earth as surely as the waters cover the sea. And so I just imagine, that, have you guys ever seen the Sher- Sherwin-Williams logo and they're pouring a can of paint over the top of the earth and then it's just dripping down the sides? I just see that from heaven that the Father's pouring out knowledge of himself onto the earth and it's covering it. And he does it by his spirit, but he does it by his spirit through us. And so our primary purpose in this life As we navigate this earth, everywhere that we step and every place where we have influence, we bring the knowledge of the glory of God and we bring his kingdom and we usher and administrate his kingdom into those places. That song is so great where it talks about that the the light fills the darkness, that the light is coming into the darkness. We get a picture of that. We get a prophetic image of the glory of the knowledge of the Lord, of the light of Christ filling the earth In the very beginning chapter of Genesis, in the very beginning of our Bible, where it says, in the beginning was was God, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it says that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And one of the first things he did was he spoke light into the darkness. And the light came and overcame the darkness. But then he assigned a time for light and a time for dark, right? He's the one who separated the light from the darkness. There was morning and there was night, evening. So God established that there would be darkness, but light would overcome the darkness by his word. And we see in John chapter 1, we get another creation story. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And that word became flesh, and it made its dwelling among men. And that man was the light of the world, And he came into the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome him. Interestingly, at the very beginning of the New Testament, we get creation with light coming into darkness in a spiritual manner versus the physical light coming into the darkness. We get creation of all things physical from that which is spiritual, but then in the New Testament, we get the spiritual creation, understanding that Christ is the one who came into that darkness. And it's the word of the Lord that brings forth the light into dark places. And so let me tell you that if you're in Christ, one of your primary purposes is to bring light into dark places, is to establish the kingdom of light, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, onto the face of the earth where Satan has had rule and dominion for thousands of years when he was cast down. Scripture says he's still the God of the air here. But God is establishing his, earth, his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. He's bringing it down and he's doing it by his spirit, but he's doing it through us. And so the question is, are we willing and will we ask the Father, how am I to bring about your kingdom into this earth, into the place where I have influence? My sphere of influence. Christine in her class will call them mountains. And we, Huh? You can tell us. She'll call them mountains, and we rule from from our mountains. 
we have this sphere of influence, and it's this, it's this elevated place where we sit and we see and we watch, and we have higher ground over the enemy. We see all that the Lord has given us, and there are these spheres of influence, and you can think of them. And so I've heard someone say this concerning marriage, and I, I feel like it does expand beyond just our marriage. But he said this. He said, you need to gain a prophetic vision for your marriage. I was like, well, what does that mean? So when I say prophetic, essentially I'm saying, what is God saying? What is God's heart and what is his mind and what is his will towards our situation? What is the prophetic voice? What does the Father have to say about my marriage? It was really, really amazing at um, Kent Henry on Friday night. We had Friday night worship and Christine and Kim went up and everybody prayed for them and then Ken Henry called me up and so I went and sat next to Kim and they were just praying and prophesying over us and and speaking over us and I, I was holding Kim's hand and, and for me that just felt like a really it was just so symbolic for me in that time it really broke me um, and someone spoke and said that right there and they pointed at us clutching hands right tears on our face and and, and they said, that right there, you, you are stronger like that. That's where the strength comes from. And it just made me realize, like, man, I've, I've not completely, fully united with my wife in spiritual matters. And when I do that first, then it'll, it'll manifest on the earth. But a prophetic together, unity, it's the mystery of marriage that we become one. And the Lord wills things in certain ways and brings people together. And there's a purpose for marriage. Now let me tell you, marriage ends at the resurrection. There's no, there's no one giving in marriage. No one being given in marriage in eternity. There's purpose for us here on this earth in our marriage to show Christ through our marriage. And I can preach all about marriage. but So we have to gain a prophetic vision for our marriage is what this person says. But I would say, in this context, we have to gain prophetic vision, which means what is God's heart and His will for our lives in every area of influence that we have. So personally, for me, just as, as Jason Angel Villanueva, I have purpose. And God's will for me is that everywhere that I go, people that I interact with, no matter who or what or where, at what time, that... I can align with the Father's will and bring about the presence of his kingdom in that time and place according to what he desires, personally. But I can also look at my family and my household and my kids, and I can look at my workplace or my arena of income or my businesses or my community of faith. I look at my role to the body and to the lost, to our city, our nation, our world. I know people in here who have global mandates from the Father to go and influence nations and bring light to darkness, but to also do that from here via media and video. But they know that that's what they're supposed to do and that they have influence in that manner. And any other place of influence, there, there are many other, many other areas of influence that the Lord gives us. Angie has influence in the realm of worship. And when she goes, she releases worship everywhere she goes, and she releases it, you know. It's like, the faucet is on. 
And so I think what I'm really what I'm really trying to get at is that I've personally been living my life through worldly thoughts and worldly ways in that I see a job as a job, right? I see going to the store as going to the store. I see pumping gas as pumping gas. I don't see things from a heavenly place. I'm not navigating my life in such a way that I'm realizing that everywhere that I go, the kingdom of God is in me, the Holy Spirit is in me, I have the mind of Christ, I can give myself as a living sacrifice to test and see and discern what the will, the perfect and pleasing will of God is, and that I can live that out wherever I go. And that if the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to fill the earth as sure as the waters cover the sea, that I need to take up my place in that plan and I need to say, yes, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wherever I go, no matter what I'm doing, in every sphere of influence, where, where I walk, wherever I may roam, nice Metallica reference, wherever I go, whatever I do, the Lord desires to bring about the, his, the knowledge of him and not just knowing about him, but knowing him. And so we are ambassadors of Christ Jesus. And it is though God is making his, he's compelling people to him through us. It says, it is as though God is making his appeal through us. So we are God's ambassadors. And wherever we go, it is the Father's will that people would come and be reconciled to him. And not just understand forgiveness of sins, which is foundational, but move on to maturity to begin to walk as sons and daughters in authority, discerning, agreeing, and willing, obeying so that we, we will forth and administer forth what he desires for us in everywhere we go. Right? Praise the Lord. Chris says, yes, I want some of that. Give me that, Lord. <laughs> So Matthew 7 says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? And so it's not just, God, gimme, gimme, gimme. Jesus asked God for something that wasn't given to him. Do you remember what this was? If it's your will that this cup would pass. Hmm? Well, he asked, yeah, he asked him. If it's your will, may this cup pass for me, which was him going to the cross. And then he said, nevertheless, your will be done. And so we have desires that we can bring to the Father. But how much more will he give us when we pray in alignment with what he desires? So we seek the heart and the mind of the Father. Let's just say marriage, for instance. And I'll just pick on you because I can see you and you're right here. <laughs> So we all have 
interest. We all have our own interest in mind and things that we want. And there's something that you want for your marriage. And I would no doubt say that, that many of those things fall in alignment with what God desires. But then there are also things that you want and maybe doesn't fall in line with what God desires. All right? But he has a purpose for your marriage. How much more impactful will your marriage have on this earth when you seek his will for your marriage? And then when you say, so you, you may pray, God, you got to change Liz. <laughs> Whatever it may be. God, you got to do this. You got to do that. I just can't do it anymore. Oh, my heart. My, oh, it's so hard. Right? And you're praying those things. And you're trying to will forth love. You're trying to will forth patience. You're trying to strive to have kindness. It's not working. But then when you seek the heart of the Father and you say, okay, God, I know what I want this marriage to look like, but I need to know what you want this marriage to look like. And the Lord begins to speak to you using Scripture, using the Holy Spirit, and he says, I want your marriage to survive and to thrive no matter what comes your way. And you say, okay, God, no matter what comes my way, I'll love, I'll endure by your strength in me. Your will be done in my marriage on earth as it is in heaven. So when hard times come, you say, God's will for my marriage is that it thrives and it endures no matter what happens. And so this is a really big thing that might tear most people apart, but God's will for this is that we, we thrive and we endure. And so your will, Father, in this moment. So I agree with you. Give me the strength to obey and to love and to live this out. And next thing you know, you're drawing from heavenly destiny for your marriage versus trying to will forth an earthly response. And that's where we're talking about living from a higher place. Gaining strength from the Father. Let me read something to you real quick. I thought this was maybe a sermon on its own, but it's not. Hebrews 11.34 says this. And if you guys are familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, it's like the hall of faith, as they call it. And the, the writer of Hebrews is talking all about how all of these saints have gone before us and they've had faith credited, credited to them by all of their works, the things by their faith, right? They, they endured the sword. They did these things. So it says, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength in weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. You guys ever watch Sesame Street, and there's that one song where it's like, one of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong, right? That's not the tone, but... And so when I look at this, Hebrews 11, 34, take a look at it. And the writer of Hebrews is just talking about all these things that people did that was credited to them as faith. And he says, quench the raging of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Wow, so much faith to gain strength and weakness. What? Became mighty in battle and they put foreign armies to flight. But right in the middle of that is gaining strength and weakness. There's a part of this list of things that is worthy of recognizing in the hall of faith. And that they gain strength and weakness. And I think this is what it's like to live from that higher place to live by faith where we're in a place where we're weak and we can't or we haven't and sometimes we think we, we won't or we don't, all these negative things, we can then switch 
our sourcing, and we can source from heaven. We can source from the Father. We can source from the Spirit. And it's credited to us as faith to gain, to gain strength in weak times. Jesus says, For I am, when you are weak, I'm strong. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so, this also has to do with living from this place where we're not sourcing from ourselves and we're not navigating this life through the lens of self or worldliness, but that we see the spiritual dimension to everything that we do. Everything is spirit. Everything is spirit. I I heard somebody say one time that, you know, we create this false dichotomy of physical and natural or natural and spiritual. But it was from the mouth of spirit that the natural came forth. The natural is birthed of spirit. But then spirit is born of spirit. So it's all spiritual no matter what. Right? Scripture says that um, God has made himself plainly known. He's made himself clearly known to all of mankind throughout history, through nature, in the earth, through the heavens and the earth, and the trees and the streams, and animals, fruit. I mean, you name anything natural, vines and grapes, trees, roots, rivers, the sky, the stars, the heavens, you name it all, and it all has spiritual implication. And there's spiritual revelation beyond it all. Jesus used agriculture to teach heavenly principles. And so I think this stems from the Father's heart and Him speaking to us, and He's saying it's time to live from the higher place. And it's time to navigate this earth through the spiritual lens and the way that the Father wants us to navigate this earth and bring about His kingdom and bring light into darkness in every sphere of influence in our life. And so in order to step into that spiritual authority and saying, yes, Lord, I will do those things, we first have to start in that place of intimacy where we say, Father, I, I want to know your heart. God, what is your heart for my family? Give me a vision for my family. Give me a vision for Illy's life. Give me a vision for Henry's life. Give me a vision for Kim's life. Give us a vision for our marriage. Give us vision for the source. It's real easy to be like, Lord, what's your vision for the source? Because we've compartmentalized that as the spiritual thing we do in life. It's been easy for me. And I think the Lord is just saying, look, there's something deeper and there's something better. And I think we need to seriously take some time and consider how are we navigating these realms of our life? And what are we doing? How am I walking in spiritual authority in in my household and in my job, and when I go to Quick Trip, you know, I mean, sometimes it's sometimes it's easy, or it feels like the easiest thing to do to like help the poor is help the homeless, and we see them all the time at Quick Trip, and most of the time we're like looking at our phones, so we have to look them in the eyes when we walk in, or we go around, or we do this or that. And there's been times where I've stopped and I've talked to people, and there's been people I've helped, and there's been people I've told no. 
There's been people I've prayed for, and there's been people I just, I don't need to stop. The Lord said, go get your hot dog and <laughs> be, be filled, <laughs> you know? But there's times, imagine driving up and then seeing and just saying, God, what is, man, what is your heart for that guy right there? What is your heart for that guy? Or when I'm at work and it's, you know, and people at work are stressed and, and they put on masks and we do our job and we go home. And what if I say, God, what is your, what is your kingdom come look like in this place? What does it look like in this place? And am I willing to seek the heart of the Father to know what his will is? And then am I willing to obey when he says, do it? I was just thinking this morning on the way here that, when Christmas comes, I'll probably lead a devotional at work for Christmas time. I did one for Easter. I felt like the Lord told me to do that. I like emailed the company and I said, hey, anybody here who celebrates Easter, I'm going to do a scripture reading at 12 o'clock in, you know, in the conference room for 10 minutes. You know, and I had like, I think it was like 12 or 13 people show up. I think it was 12. I was like, look at that, a group of disciples. <laughs> And then I thought, I should probably do that again. I've also thought, man, I wonder what it looked like to do like a Wednesday morning. To, would they even let me do that? But I don't know because I haven't asked. But I know that I know that I know when I say, Lord, what is your heart for my workplace? He's going to say, fill it with the knowledge of my glory and be my, be my, be my voice. And as we speak and declare the things of God, and as we speak according to the Spirit giving us words to speak, we're speaking forth what life and light into dark places. And God wants us to do that wherever we go. And so I have this real simple thing right here. It's five, six words. And so I would say, seek, find, agree, repent, declare, obey. I wish that spelled something. Sfardo. Sfardo. <laughs> Those are deep spiritual truths right there, my friend. Just sfardo, it's easy. So we seek the Father. Ask will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Seek the Lord's heart and his vision, his will for your life, your family, your spheres of influence. You seek it, you'll find it. Scripture tells us right there. Seek and you will find. Tells us. And then when you find it, you agree with it. And you, that's where in Second Chronicles it says, And humble themselves. Because in order to agree, we have to come in humility, not in pride, because then we'll disagree or we'll argue and we'll fight. It went too far. We'll agree. And when we agree with what the Father desires, we repent of any way that we've partnered with what is the opposite of His will in that situation. Sometimes it's sin, sometimes it's passivity, sometimes it's hindrances. Say, God, you want this for this situation. I admit that I've wanted my will for this situation. So I repent of that thought process, repenting, changing our mind. And then we declare, Lord, I agree. Right? And we stand and we agree and we speak forth that which the Father desires from heaven into earth. And that is our vocal, life-giving statement, declaring spiritual authority voice going forth and saying, on earth as it is in heaven. You desire for my marriage that we exemplify Christ 
and that we endure no matter what. And so, Father, I agree with that, and I just say that our marriage will thrive and it will endure, and we will be an image of Christ to the church for those who would gaze upon our marriage. It's as simple as that. We agree in our heart. We speak it, right? If we believe in our heart that God raised Christ from the dead and we confess Jesus as Lord, then you will be saved. There's something about agreeing and confessing. There's a power behind that. There's a spiritual principle about agreement and confession and declaration. And then the last thing is obey. So when we face those times where it's either our will on earth or God's will on earth, we submit, succumb, and say, Obey your will, your love, your patience, your mercy, your kindness, your authority, your forgiveness, your gospel through me because I'm doing my part. So just imagine that there are people spread apart around the world, all in their little places. And as they interact with people and places, they're giving off light so that everybody's exuding light and kingdom Kingdoms oozing off of us in our obedience and our agreement. How much more will the earth be filled when we're all walking in obedience of bringing forth that light? And we do it together. And this is the image of the body of Christ on earth. Jesus came. He spread the knowledge of the kingdom, the knowledge of God. He brought healing, forgiveness. He lived perfectly in agreement with what the Father desired. Just as David was a man after God's own heart and he did what the Lord told him to do, as we all step into that and live that out, well, then we see the knowledge of the glory of the Lord beginning to fill the earth and his kingdom coming day by day, moment by moment, in every place where we step and every place where we have influence. Does that all make sense? It's good. Can we walk through this real quick? Seek, find, agree, repent, declare, obey. Yeah? All right. We'll pray. <clears throat> so, Father, it's just clear to us, it's clear to me, God, that there's just a, a time has come, God, where I have to stop seeing things through through my lens and through my will and through my ways. I have to quit compartmentalizing my life from natural and spiritual. It's all spiritual. Everywhere I go, everything I do, you've placed each and every one of us on this earth with a purpose in a place, in a family with friends and spouses and children and jobs and responsibilities. And you desire, God, that we walk in those places in our authority that you've given us through Christ and that we bring about your kingdom. It's a beautiful kingdom. It's a kingdom of justice. It's a kingdom of love and righteousness, patience and kindness. And it's a kingdom of abundance, not just sustenance, but abundance. And so, Father, we, I just want to ask that you help us by your spirit in us, to, to seek you and to hear your voice. You said that if we humble ourselves and seek your face, God, what is that like? What is it like? Scripture says that Jesus has fiery eyes. 
We want to seek your face and know you, God. The God that revealed himself to mankind throughout history. And we have a book that speaks of those experiences. And we, we glean and gain from that, that you are the God that reveals yourself to mankind. And that you can and want to reveal and show us who you are. And so we just want to seek your face, Father. We want to hear your voice. <laughs> Scripture says his voice is like the sound of rushing waters. What is that like? And so we want to seek. And God, as we find your heart for us, we find your heart for our family, for our businesses, our spheres of influence, we just want to agree with that, God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we lay down anything that maybe we've held on to, Father God, that the next best thing, or if I can just have this job or gain these amount of finances, or if my marriage would just be like this, or if my wife would just become that, God, that's all selfish. So I want to agree with what you desire for us, God. And then we would just want to confess and repent of going our own way. Any way that we've partnered with the enemy, any way that we've partnered with darkness, any way that we've been passive about the enemy and darkness, any way that we've been passive about the attack of the enemy on our family or our kids or our ministry or our business, any way that we've been passive, God, we know, we know from the attacks of the enemy on us that those around us have to be being attacked. And so, Father, we don't want to partner with those attacks and just be passive. God, help us to do warfare on behalf of our family. We just want to leave behind all that we've done that's not in accordance to your will, God. And give us a heart. Give us a heart to, to say, yes, your will on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. Not my will, but your will. And, Father, show us what it's like to declare God, I thank you just specifically since we're here at the source. I thank you that your heart for the source is that this place be a hub for ministry and that we will have local, national, and global impact and influence from the things that happen in this place. That you're raising up sons and daughters and you're birthing ministries and you are placing people in their role and their call according to their giftings for your kingdom, for those who are in in Christ and for those who are lost, God, that those ministries will be birthed, God, and that those resources will come, Father, and this place will be a place, a work, a, a central marketplace for ministry, God, where multiple ministries in unity in the body of Christ will come together and they will work out your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, God, and that people will see and that your glory will flow from this place, God, as there's been visions of a faucet just open over Wichita, filling the city, God, and that it runs, God, and it rushes. So we thank you for your heart for this place, and we thank you that it is happening and that it will happen, and we just agree with the work that you want to do here, Father. And so, God, I just thank you that you've called us and that we can obey and we can say, yes, Lord, and we move forth in doing the things that you've moved us to do, Father God. Obedience from a place of relationship. Authority from a place of intimacy. 
not getting the cart before the horse, not wanting what you have before having you, not seeking your hand before we seek your face, not seeking your promises before we seek your heart, God. And so, Lord, I just thank you for a reorganizing of hearts in this place that you are bringing us back into intimacy allowing us to step into authority, God, that you're moving us forth from foundational teachings, God, and moving us into maturity that we would be the manifest sons and daughters of God on this planet, Father, and that everywhere that we go, we would live out what you desire for us according to your will. And so, Father, just shift in the heavenlies, Father. God, just shift it into the earth and allow us to be obedient moment by moment day by day, seeking your heart and your will for our spheres of influence, Father God. Reveal to people their spheres of influence, God. Show them where you've placed them and how they are strategically placed there without um, error, God. Without, it's not, a, it's not a mistake. It's on purpose. It's intentional. And it's for your light of your kingdom and your glory to fill those places, Lord. And so, God, I just thank you so much for moving us into that place and teaching us these things, God. And I pray that this isn't just something that I talk about today and forget about tomorrow, but, Lord, that this would become the DNA of who we are as, at, uh, as believers in Christ and here at Disciple Community. It becomes part of our language, God, that we, that we want to we walk in spiritual authority and we want to seek your heart and your face. We want to have intimate, experiential relationship with you and we want to see your kingdom come. So, Father, thank you for the way that you just continue to lead and guide us into these places of intimacy deeper and deeper to you. You continue to woo us and call us to you. That's why Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. So thank you, Father, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.